Spirit Radio Podcasts. 39 years ago this very month, Pope John Paul II gave a speech in the town of Drogheda where he said to all men and women engaged in violence, on my knees, I beg you to turn away from the paths of violence and return to ways of peace. Many at the time felt this plea fell on deaf ears as the troubles in Northern Ireland continued to rage on, but the dramatic moment captured the attention of our next guest to such an extent that he decided to research research it extensively. And the research is now a new documentary, John Paul II in Ireland, A Plea for Peace. In studio now to tell us more, we have Emmy Award-winning writer and director David Nalayari. And I'm delighted to say that he also has with him one of the people who feature in the documentary, former IRA London bomber Shane Paul Doherty. You're both very welcome to the show, gentlemen. Uh, first of all, let's talk to David. And David, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and your interest in Ireland because you're uh, from America? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Jackie. It's great to be with you. I, um, I've been producing documentary films for the last about a dozen years, I've made about 12, 13 films now. Um, I was a history major in college, and I was a practicing Catholic, and um, they say one of the shortest books ever written is Jobs for History Majors. So I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but as a young man, I did an internship after I graduated at Salt and Light TV, which is the Catholic television network in Canada, and that was around the time when Opus the, the, the movie Da Vinci Code was coming out. And so I was challenged to make a short documentary about Opus Dei and about some of the accusations of the church, and that got me started in my career making um Documentary films that focus on the history of the church, um, that focus on faith themes. And I've made several films on John Paul II. And about 18 months ago, Carl Anderson, the Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, who's been the executive producer of several films I've made, and including this film, he told me he had an interesting conversation with Lord David Alton, who's a mem- member of the British House of Lords and whose mother is Irish, has a real affinity for Ireland, and his conviction about John Paul II's 1979 pilgrimage and the impact it had on the peace process. And he said, David, why don't you explore this? So I started making phone calls, uh, started doing a little bit of research, and it was it was hard to find a lot of information about it. About, most people thought, well, the violence continued for almost two decades, so the Pope's speech didn't have an impact. But gradually what I discovered when speaking to all kinds of people, prominent Protestant leaders like Sir Jeffrey Donaldson, like Reverend Harold Good, uh, prominent political figures like Martin Manzer, John Bruton, Ronan Mullen, Lord David Alton, Seamus Mallon, was that John Paul II's words really impacted individuals. It touched their hearts. Um, and, and one example is Father Alec Reed, a redemptorist priest who, inspired by John Paul II, starts probing questions and starts ultimately getting men like John Hume and Jerry Adams to sit down, inspired by John Paul II's call. So the film explores the different ways that John Paul II planted seeds, um, the seeds of peace that ultimately will lead to the Good Friday Agreement, you know, two decades later. And one of the best interviews I did was Shane uh, Paul Adarty, who's with me today, um, and he has a very uh, unique and powerful experience with uh, with John Paul's visit. Well, Shane, let's bring you in then and uh, hear about that experience. How did um, how did that visit from Pope John Paul II impact your life? Well, I was in my prison cell in Wormwood Scrubs. Uh, I was in my prison cell in in Wormwood Scrubs. Uh, serving my 30 life sentences in 20 years for teenage London bombings. And um, I had been in prison a number of years. I'd been in solitary for a number of years. And I had had a huge experience of uh, reading the Gospels for the first time in my life. I read the four Gospels one evening after an argument with a prison chaplain and in order to be able to debate better with him. But I didn't expect the outcome, which was 
a huge uh, conversion experience that gave me the strength to you know break away from the IRA and reading Matthew's gospel I was was completely overwhelmed by um, uh, you know if you come to the altar to offer your gift and there remember that your brother has something against you go first be reconciled be reconciled to your brother and then come back and offer your gift and I felt that I couldn't approach sort of uh, repentance or salvation without um, uh, in some sense uh, you know confronting my victims and I, I I pushed very hard for a year for the permission to write to my victims I did so privately from my prison cell and um, some of my victims sold the letters to the news of the world so there I was in prison and one Sunday a huge headline occurred anger as IRA bomber said sorry and suddenly the entire IRA the IRA prisoners in the prison, all the life sentence prisoners. I mean, prison's an environment where nobody says sorry and nobody's ever guilty. And here I was outed as this repentant uh, IRA bomber terrorist who had written to his victims to say sorry. And I, I was very isolated. And uh, the IRA prisoners ignored me for the next decade. And, and uh, the prison authorities, the home office, the British government, the, the press, the media attacked me as somebody who, who, who whose repentance was kind of aimed to to get me out of prison early. Nobody took the word repentance seriously. Nobody understood why a young guy who'd been a teenager at 15 inducted into the IRA would want to break away from the IRA. So in this isolated circumstance in 1979 where nobody believed in me and I was sort of trapped in a fog of cynicism in the southeast of England, suddenly this Pope, whom I knew nothing about, uh, visited Ireland and he... He taught the grammar and the language of repentance, and, and, and in his call to men of violence, young men of violence, in fact, to lay down their arms, he vindicated my previous two or three years' experience of the gospel, of repentance, my, my um, attempt to be reconciled to my victims. He, he taught the language of uh, the gospel again uh, to a very secular southeast of England. He talked, you know, he, he vindicated my, my repentance, and I, I felt within literally weeks of his of his visit to Ireland that I was treated with new respect in the prison system by prison officers, prison governors prominent Labour MPs, prominent members of the House of Lords who visited me uh, you know, uh, Cardinal Basil Hume Lord Longford, Viscount Ingleby uh, leading Labour and journalists and, and legal people, you know it changed my world but I, I also discovered that the Irish people in the southeast of England who were from say a Catholic background or, or even Christians in general who were, had been ridiculed for probably many years for believing in the sort of hocus-pocus of, you know, the Gospels. F- following the Pope's visit and this huge, overwhelming international attention, that that the sort of the, the status of Irish people, the status of people who followed the Gospel or the people who said they'd repented or, you know, were, were believers, their status, their currency rose in society. And I, I felt that, and I heard this documentary had been finished and, and that it had happened, and I... I um, made a few phone calls and said, look, I've got an interesting story to tell that this impacted me in my solitary cell in Wormwood Scrubs Prison in London, and maybe I can get a chance to tell that on this documentary. And later I got a call from David, and he said, you know, I find it hard to believe that, you're, that you can have been reached by this John Paul II visit <laughs> from a distance. But I said, let me, let me tell it. So I got my piece, and I snuck in at the end of this documentary, and uh, here we are. I bet David is absolutely delighted that that mm-hmm. happened, uh, that you reached out to him. David, how much mm-hmm. of an impact did that have on the overall film? I'd say it had quite an impact. Absolutely. You know, I was really blessed to have Shane, and, and you know, I think the name of your radio station is quite fitting, Spirit Radio. Really, I feel this project was guided by the Holy Spirit. So I set off, you know, talking to some initial people, and 
it was really it was really a lot of referrals um, because this is really a new territory. There's never been a film. There's never really been a lot written about John Paul II's visits impact on the peace process. So as I set off, I couldn't find a lot of sources. So it was really meeting people who then referred me to other people and said, well, this person, talk to this person, talk to this person. And, um, of course, I found the Irish to be extremely welcoming. They're great story. You guys are wonderful storytellers and loquacious and, and opening and inviting. And, and that's really how this film came together. So um, Shane, for example... We interviewed him late in the process, and then he told me about Father Neil Carlin and the Columbia community in Northern Ireland. And so we wound up profiling Father Neil Carlin, who was also inspired by John Paul II's visit. And a lot of the work he does, getting Protestants and Catholics to come together, to pray together, the wonderful Good Friday prayer service. It's very powerful, featured in our film 1985 in Derry. Um, that was, you know, Shane telling me, hey, you got to talk to Father Neil Carlin. So that's really how this film came together. That's and, beautiful. Uh, and we're excited about it. That yeah. is so beautiful. My husband and I had an encounter with John Paul II in 2001, just brief. Mm. But it was like changing. He had that ability, I think, with his his words and even his look, just looking at you and uh, to reach kind of into your soul and transform something there. So I totally get what you're talking about. You know, like that, that, mm -hmm. that, that influence that he could have on a person's heart was quite uh, amazing, I think. Um, I want to talk to you just a little bit again um, um, about the that the, how did that impact you Shane Paul do you, you know it's obviously in, it affected your life and like Absolutely. what's happening now in your life because of that revelation that you had well i mean you know i just want to touch on one thing you know people should set in context that um that 4 weeks before pope john paul came to ireland the ira had uh, blown up and murdered uh, a 79 year old pensioner lord louis Mountbatten, along with an 83 year old lady lady brayburn two teenage boys, 14 and 15 years of age, in their bomb at Mullachmore. And on the same day, they'd um, murdered 18 soldiers. So the language of the IRA had reached, you know, it was kind of barbarity, body parts on roads and, you know, beaches. And that twice in my experience of Northern Ireland troubles, uh, it verged on, like, civil war. But I think, uh, you know, the murder of Lord Louis Mountbatten and the 18 soldiers, and later the terrible bombing at Enniskillen. But I think Pope John Paul's uh, definition that Catholicism could never be equated with IRA activities, his call on the IRA to disband and to disarm, I think that was a defining moment. And Sir Geoffrey Donaldson pointed out that his confidence in Catholics, his confidence in the Catholic community was restored. But I knew many loyalist prisoners in prison with me in Northern Ireland later, and uh, they also expressed to me that prior to that visit they had regarded the average Irish Catholic is just an IRA supporter and, and that that was a defining moment for them too mm -hmm. but you know um, you know the experience that I had um, in my prison cell in Wormwood Scrubs reading the four gospels one evening that changed my entire life all the people who disbelieved in my repentance you know were all wrong here I am today I, I spend a lot of time uh, speaking to students you know I, I'm very lucky that I have um, association with a charity in, in Europe that allows me to uh visit universities and, and cities and there are a minimum of a thousand students a time. Uh, and David's been over in Spain and, and you know he's aware that I've spoken in Portugal and Spain many times and it's it's nice to be able to to express the fact that for me repentance wasn't some oppressive kind of taking on of religious faith it was a liberation and 
and uh, you know, repentance gave me the power to break away from an evil criminal paramilitary organization at a time when almost no one had the courage to do that. And my faith from the Gospels gave me that strength. But um, So it's important to express to young people that faith arrives in your life. It liberates you from sin. It liberates you from fear. It frees you up. You know, I wake up in the morning and I think today, every day I think today is a day of infinite possibilities. And it came from the faith that allowed me to create a new life, uh, rebuild my life after terrible teenage years and terrible involvement with the IRA. I still tell young people that, um, you know, one the for me, one of the main sources of power to change your life for the better is the gospel, is faith, is Jesus Christ. And in many cases, I say to young people, you know, that that they need to plug into the broadband of the gospel of faith to get the power to change their lives. And, it's you know, I, I worked for the past 11 years in Dublin City Centre in one of the largest homeless shelters, 12-hour night shifts. I did seven years of 12-hour night shifts, in, you know, without a break. And I buried many young people who, you know, had overdosed on drugs, polydrugs, you know, drink, and uh, young men and young women. And, you know, even there under the, you know, we weren't allowed to obviously promote, uh, you know, religious faith when we're offering services but you know in working with people young people you could see the horror of drugs horror of alcoholism the horror and it reminded me of the horror of paramilitarism and and uh, it's it's fantastic to be alive with the gift to speak about my repentance and fantastic that david responded to my interest in asking for an opportunity to, to express john paul's weird and wonderful strange reach across yeah. space and time to my prison cell. So it's wow. been wonderful. What a testimony. What a beautiful, beautiful testimony. David, do you think the film is mainly of interest to Irish people, or does it have global relevance? Yeah, I think it absolutely has global rele- relevance. And we produced it in a way that anybody could watch it who doesn't understand the history of Ireland or that understand the history of the conflict in Northern Ireland. Um, so the, the film works kind of on two timelines. We really explore those three days, that dramatic encounter, John Paul II with Ireland, when more than half the population came out to see him. Um, but then we have flashbacks that explain the entire history of, of Ireland and explain in particular the whole conflict of the Troubles. And we do that specifically because the film is being distributed in the United States on PBS. It had its premiere on PBS in August and being distributed across um, public television affiliates. And, of course, Americans are not going to know all the history of Ireland. And the complexities, of course, in Northern Ireland are immense. So uh, so there's that. And I think the film works for people who are interested in their faith, interested in the impact of faith on public affairs. It works for people interested in history because it, it is a historical documentary. Um, and, and and my hope is that it makes people in Ireland uh, more aware of the positive impact that John Paul II had. Um, and the impact that faith can have in transforming not our, just ourselves, but the greater world. Because when John Paul II spoke and planted those seeds, whether it was with Shane or whether it was father, with Father Alec Reed, whether it was with Reverend Harold Good, um, those men in turn became peacemakers. And so I think even reflecting now on, hey, what impact will Pope Francis have in his recent visit? And maybe another documentary filmmaker 5, 10, 15 years from now will make that film. But certainly I think Pope Francis planted his own seeds, touched minds and hearts, um, and I think that's a beautiful witness and testimony to the faith. Mm. Where can people see this film in Ireland? So you can check out listings at jp2inireland.com or the Omniplex website. But we have a theatrical release, uh, about 17, 18 theaters across the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland with Omniplex. Um, our website is jp2inireland.com. That's jp 
number2inireland.com, and all the information on the theatrical releases there. Okay, great. Thank you so much, writer and director David uh, Naliagi. Oh, I, I, I just say it That's for me. Naliari, but that was you did a very good job, Jackie. <laughs> I did good. I did better at the beginning. It was fresh. And former IRA London bomber Shane Paul Doherty, thank you so much for coming in this morning, guys. Really appreciate it. And it's John Paul II in Ireland, a plea for peace. It'll be screened in cinemas in both the Republic and in the North of Ireland this month. And uh, like David was saying, you go to jp2inireland.com. Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.